0: What I want to just share with you guys is uh, just about the joy of giving. The blessed—it's a blessed life, I, I like to say—and and that we've been blessed to give. And so this morning, it's, it's really—it's going to be more of like a teaching than a preaching, even. On first of all, like what is what is the tithe? And so we're going to be talking about giving over the next two or three weeks. And this is probably the first time in five and a half years that I've, I've preached on money. And it's not that um, trying to avoid money or any, or scared of preaching on it or anything like that. It's just that this is the Lord's time. And, uh, and so I want the reason I even teaching about this is because I want people to be blessed. I don't want to see people struggle financially. I don't want to see them like just try to live hand to mouth and all that. And Jessica and I have been through seasons of that. And there's times where like the Lord teaches you how to trust him in those seasons. There's nothing wrong with those seasons. But uh, I do believe that those are for the purpose of being able to give you more. God is about increase. There's no end to the increase of his government. And that's not only in the world, but also in your life. I mean, that's how he gets it in the world. It's through your life. And so I want to talk specifically about tithes. Now, there's tithes and offerings, which are two different things. But I want to really kind of hit the tithing and what that is um, biblically. And so we're going to go over the, just the biblical basis for tithing. And this is a Just what Paul said, Jesus said. And all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I was listening to an old sermon by Graham Cook. And he was saying, and the sermon was around 2008. And so that was when the recession hit the U.S. And he was saying, he's like, man, I am loving this recession. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> you know, he's like, I am loving this recession. He says, you know, he says, because God always has abundance, but the enemy's on a budget. He said, so like, this recession is really slowing things down for the enemy. He says, but it's not slowing God down. He says, God always has abundance, but the enemy's on a budget. And so that's how we live. That's how we look at things. And we have to, you know, sometimes there's a lot of fears that come that are associated with money, and that's why it can be a sensitive subject for people. And I remember a few years ago, back when we were living in Fort Worth, I was asking the Lord, I was like, God, why is there so much scripture about money? Like, why do you talk about it? I mean, there is over eight hundred verses, I believe, about money in the Bible, or about wealth. And he says because money competes with me for provider. And so, it's that's why Jesus said you can't serve both Mammon, which is or money, which is Mammon is actually like the spirit of money, in the sense of like this thing that makes you feel like you need to trust it instead of the Lord. But some translations have, you can't, trust, you can't serve money and God. You can't serve two masters. And so it's the, it's the number one competitor with God as provider. God likes to provide all the love you need. He likes to provide all the peace you need, all the joy, and all the provision, physical provision. He likes to, be, he likes to provide for everything. And so that's why Jesus even said those words. Now, money in and of itself is not evil. The love of money is what's called evil. Okay? It's just like I said, you know, when we first started meeting at what is now Bar South, the guy that was the bar owner, he's like, man, your church church folks going to be all right with all this liquor on the wall? That's how he said it. And uh, I said, liquor doesn't kill people. People kill people. People drinking too much liquor kill people. He's like, that's right, and uh, <laughs> and so it's like money's the same thing. Money doesn't destroy lives. People's love of money, their addiction to it, and so that's what it's not. It's what it's all about the heart. Like the heart condition. If you if the heart is pure, then you can handle things well, and that's what God is about. So tithing. What is actually the tithe? A lot of you may know. If you don't know, this is this is for you. This is giving God the first tenth, or ten percent of your income. And when I say income, I, I talk about whatever comes in. That's like how I like to describe it. Whatever comes in, because some of you may not even have jobs. You may be getting like financial aid or support even from your parents. But like I, we've gotten gifts. Before, and we've gotten aid, and we tithe on, like, what people are actually giving us. You know, how do missionaries give 10%? Because they're not, they're not working. Some of them aren't as far as, like, what they're doing, working the job, um, other than preaching the gospel. And so, like, what they tithe what comes in. And that's how they do that. So that's what income is, is like, what, what's coming in. 10% of what, you, of what comes in. And now, when I first started tithing, I need that. And uh, when I first started tithing, I started tithing the net of what I got. Okay? And so I was getting my paycheck and I was like, oh, I made, eight, bringing home $84 because I was substitute teaching. And uh, so I tithed, probably, I probably tithed about $10. But then I looked at my check, I was like, wait, I actually made $130. So that's, that was what I actually made. I brought home 84 Caesar got $50. All right? So I gave Caesar what was his. I got to give God what's his. That's the whole part of what I am producing, which was $150. So I started. I was like, when I saw that, now I've been tithing probably 18 months off of my net gain. And when I realized I wasn't tithing off of my gross, I didn't get struck by lightning. I thought I was, I was a little scared because of my view of God at the time. But I was like, uh, poop, I've been doing the net tithe for 18 months. I, Lord, I'm just going to start doing the growth. And, but it was like, God was like, yeah, son, you're learning. It wasn't like you're trying to deceive me. He, he understood that. And so if this is new information for you, like, don't beat yourself up. Like You're learning. You're learning how to give. It's a journey, just like with anything else, with the Lord. So this is uh, 2 Samuel 24, and the context of this, we're not going to hang out here very long, but the context of this is David just took a census, the census that got him in big trouble because he was trusting in his might and resources other than the Lord that got him to this place. And even Joab was like, David... This is not a good idea. He's like, take the census, Joab. He's like, uh, please don't. And he's like, go count. And he's like, oh, okay. And he went out, took the census, took him 18 months. They came back. And then the Lord's like, you've done a vain thing, David. And so he gave him three choices. You know, a famine can either come or war can come. And uh, David's just like, listen, it's much better to be in the hands of the Lord than in the hands of men. And so uh, famine, uh, angel of the Lord struck down 70,000 people. Now, this is goes to show you the corporateness of us, that you affect people. Leaders affect people. We're not like, we're very individualized in America, but obviously... What are mayors, governors, presidents, leaders, pastors? What they do affects people that under their authority and that kind of thing. David was, a, his people didn't decide this. You know, and so I'm not going to go into all that. If you want, talk to me more about that. We can do it later. But I'm going to read this and start in verse 21. It says, then, Aravna, that's actually how you pronounce that. says, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the lord that the plague may be held back from the people. Ravna said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up what is good in his sight. Look, the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood, everything, O king, Ravna gives to the king. And Aravna said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. Now, here's Aravna. He's just like, oh, man, the king's here. Take it all. King, I'm so honored for you to be here. You can use anything you want to make a sacrifice. This is David's response. However, the the king said to Aravna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. For now, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the, thre- bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by the prayer for the land, and the plague was held back from Israel. So this is a, this is a principle that transcends just money. This is about your life. Living for Jesus should cost you something. It should cost you some time. It should cost you energy. It should cost you your finances. You're not here very long. You got 80 plus years on this earth. And so you are, you are, this is not your home. You are a stranger, a sojourner in the land. And so we are here to live for another age And so part of this is realizing that we're going to go against the world tide that says, you know, I'm going to try to make sure and take what is mine and secure myself, and we're going to go in the opposite spirit, and we give, and we give when it doesn't make sense. And it costs us, and we lay down our lives instead of trying to step on people to get higher up on the ladder. And so that's part of Jesus said that, you know, following I've heard Bill Johnson say this, you know, if salvation is free, maturity cost is expensive. Salvation is free, but maturity is expensive. And so to grow in the Lord, it's going to cost you something. All right. And so this goes across the board. This is not only your finances, but this is in in every area of your life. But there's beauty in it. And there's the God way out rewards you than what you ever give to him. So why do we tithe? There are many people who come to church for what they can get and not what they can give. And this is, um, when we first started the church, we had a man tell us, he's like, if you, who had been a pastor for 50 years, he said, if you count the people, the people don't count. Now, what he meant by that, there's nothing wrong with churches counting members and all that kind of stuff what's wrong is if you count, if that's what you're measuring your success on. And if that's, if what you're trying to do is get people through the door just to have a big church. And, uh, because what happens is, is you create a culture of people who are not, who are there to get what they can get. And so it takes a lot of resources. You don't have, you got a small percentage of people who are upholding that thing. And you've got a large group of people who are not pouring in. They're just like, well, what, have you, what are you, you going to do for me? Are you going to entertain me or whatever it is? And we don't, that's not part of our culture, the awakening. We tell people when you come to the awakening, we're going to put like an axe and a shovel in your hand. Because that's how you make memories. That's how you solidify relationships. And that's how you uh, learn more of God's heart is through serving. Even when I went with Bob Johnson, the Burning Man, he said, "You know there's a lot of ministries out here he said, and we'll operate in signs and wonders and all that he says but we're he says, "But what we do is we serve people he said that's what we do first. we serve people, he said we're going to work hard, and we're going to play hard and and that's and that's our attitude here as well we like we work hard and we play hard so but this is not just the awakening thing. This is, it's not the way of the kingdom. The Bible is full of, lay your life down. You need to serve. And and so this is not like, this is kingdom. Okay, so wherever church you go through for the rest of your life, you go there with the intent of like, how can I pour into this community for the time I'm here? Don't look at it as way, what you can get from it. Because God's your provider anyways. Je- uh, Jesus had Jessica and I serve at a church that we didn't really want to be at. It was, um, we were, and the Lord was just like, this is your, I want you to do this. I want you to pour into this community everything you have. They weren't, they, we were wanting to grow and more in the super, supernatural things and have somebody, and have a church that lead us in that. But the Lord was like, no, you're going to stay here and you're going to serve and you're going to bless these people. And uh, and so we did. We stayed there for about two years doing that, and um, I'll get to that later about how that how that turned out turned out well. Um, but people are always welcome to encounter God at the Awakening. But if you consider the Awakening your church family, then it needs to cost you something, like I've been saying. So you can never enter into the flow of a community without it costing you something. That's part of why. Sometimes people feel, it's not the the only reason, but many times people feel disconnected in a community because they're not wanting to get in there and just do some some awkward things (laughs) And, and pursue community and actually just start working. So unrighteous mammon to spiritual riches... In Luke 16, it says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And so if uh, when somebody talks about money and you, you find yourself scoffing, just beware. If we don't know how to handle unrighteous mammon, how will we be entrusted with spiritual riches, okay? So there is a link beside, but. Between what you do with your finances and actually spiritual riches, Jesus just said that. All right. So the way I steward my money, my obedience with my money is what qualifies me actually for spiritual riches, according to what Jesus just said. How can you have spiritual riches if you're unfaithful with unrighteous wealth? There's a connection. All right. Jesus just said that plain and simple. So there is a connection with what I do with my resources, even outside of my, my money. My time, my money, my energy, my job, and my relationships all affect the unseen realm. Physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. That's what Faith looks like something. Love looks like something. Faith without works is dead. Okay? When you believe God, it shows up. If I really love my child and I see a train about to run over them, I'm not going to be like, man, I love them. And I'm just going to watch them get run over by a train. I'm going to push them out of the way and, and put myself in harm's way if need be. But I'm going after them. It, my love looks like something. Okay? But I'm not standing there, man, I love you, Josiah. That's crazy. It seems like a silly example, but it's the truth. All right, and this is the main passage we're going to work from. This is Malachi. Some of y'all are familiar with it. This is verses 7 through 12. It says, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Now, Again, let me stop real quick. This is in the context of they have strayed away from God. And God is actually telling them, this is how you return to me. This is what it looks, this is what revival looks like. This is what repentance looks like right now for you guys. And so he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? They're saying, God, what does that look like? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you. So that I will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now he's using his name, the Lord of the angel armies. He's like saying, you, I can release the army of heaven on your behalf when you obey me in this. He could have used... I am Jehovah Jireh, I am Jehovah Rapha, I am Jehovah Sikidnu, which is the righteousness of God, but he says the Lord of hosts, all right, that's, that was really good of me right there, I just pronounced that right, I want some love, that's right. Dr. Fish, you're smiling on me right now. So what is Malachi 3 actually saying? Just saying, put your money where your mouth is. You can't say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, and not look like something. That creates, what you, if you do that, what it does is it creates unbelief in those who are watching you. Because you're being a hypocrite. Now, we all got our stuff that God's working on, but I'm just saying, like, if you say one thing and do another, you create unbelief in those watching. So we cannot declare trust in Jesus without it looking like something. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also another just clear sign of like what it looks like to love Jesus. Where is your treasure? Are you, is it devoted to the Lord? Is he, does he have access to your money? You know, that shows you where your heart is. So giving the tithe and offering helps your hands open up and reinforces living with an eternal perspective. So when you make this as a discipline, what it's doing is you're reinforcing in your heart, God, money doesn't, is not my provider. Money is not my security. Money doesn't rule me. Money is not my God. I do not bow to money. I bow to Jesus. So what is the storehouse? Have any of y'all ever wondered that? What is the storehouse? Thanks, Jeff. So in, in the Old Testament, the storehouse is referred to also as treasuries or chambers or the treasure house. Okay, and there's the references up there for you. The tithe that was gathered into the storehouse was used to support the temple ministry. So that means that the Levites lived off the tithe and it was used to do any upkeep that they had to do. To the to the building, the temple. So that translates today, the storehouse in the New Testament is the house or church community in which you are fed. Okay, so that's your decision on what that is, but it's it's the community in which you're fed, the church community in which you're fed. So I don't eat a meal at the last resort and pay the bill at Taqueria del Sol. <laughs> and so, like, if you're getting fed, if I, I, I'm getting fed at last resort, I'm going to pay the bill at the last resort. But I'm not going to go give it somewhere else, okay? And, th- again, this is one of the other things that some of it may just be new information. That, and so that's why I'm, I'm going through this really detailed is because I want you to know what I believe the Bible says about this, and, um, you know, there's there's been times where I, like I said, early on in those baby Christian years where I was given the tithe other places. I was tithing, but I was like, oh, I want to give it to this ministry instead of, like, to the church that we were serving at, and the Lord the Lord didn't, again, I didn't, I'm still here. I didn't get struck down by with lightning, and so it doesn't mean that uh, you're out, You're not Jesus has forsaken you or anything like that. I want to just remove that lie out of the room. You're learning. You're learning. You're learning how to walk with Jesus. You're learning how to steward your finances. And this is just a part of it. So this is the only instance in the Bible that God actually invites you to test him in something. Other places he says, don't test me. But this, he says, test me. And so this can actually have like a measurable outcome to it because you're working with quantitative currency. So God links money to the opening of heaven in Malachi 3. He links money when you give the tithe and offering to the opening of heaven, the outpouring of the Spirit, and blessing until there's no more need. When we were at uh, Convergence... They had, there was a time where they were struggling with some finances, and we just figured out if like, everybody just gave $100 across the board, if you just averaged it out, if everybody just gave $100 a month, we would have way more than we could even know what to do with. It was crazy. And it's just, you know, we had people who obviously made more money than others, but if you just averaged it out, and it was below what people could actually give the $100 a month. It was like we would have way more than we, we would have plenty to, like, do everything that we wanted to do in the city. And so that's what Malachi 3 is talking about. It's like you, you open up heaven and you, the outpouring of the Spirit will come, and there's going to be blessing till there's no more need. We're just like we're going to have so much resources that our vision just can't. It's just going to explode. But the thing is, we're going to have vision and that God meet the vision with the resources, even if it's not there. And so this is part of this is God's heart. The currency in this world is money. Our currency in heaven is faith. And so we give in faith that God will turn the currency of this world for our favor. When you give the tithe, God will actually rebuke the devouring spirit off of your finances. So how many of you, uh, you're like, man, somebody just gave me $500 and then your radiator goes out, And then somebody gives you, uh, like, man, I just got a bonus check at work. And he's like, we got to pay you land taxes? We didn't pay land taxes last year. Raise your hand if that's happened to you before. Jessica and I, we've... We got, like, $5,000 check for having natural gas under our house in Fort Worth. I started having these bad stomach pain episodes. We went to the emergency room, and we checked with the, the hospital that we were, made sure that our, that hospital took our insurance. They said they did. It was on a Sunday. Went to the ER. Chuck Brocker was not looking at me, so they couldn't figure it out. And... uh But they just gave me some pain meds, sent me home, and uh, sent us a bill for $10,000 for that ER visit for some morphine and an MRI or something like that. Because the doctor that saw us was not on the insurance. She didn't take that insurance. She was from another hospital. And uh, you, you talk about wanting to shoot somebody in the rear end with a BB gun. And so, I'm like, that thing, There in the Proverbs it says, um, there is wealth in the fallow ground of the poor, but injustice sweeps it away. And so, there is like a devouring spirit. There's like an injustice type thing that's looking to try to steal from you. Now, sometimes those things happen when you tithe, but it's it's, I'm telling you, when you, t- when you give faithfully. Now, one of the things is, is that we've never been wanting. So God has provided for us in all those occasions. I told you last week, the first year we moved back to Georgia, we made collectively $24,000. And we had $17,000 worth of debt. And we somehow ended up in the black that year. Like we paid down debt. We had a Christmas We had three kids in diapers. It was like, uh, what did Henry Ford create? The uh, assembly line. Thank you. It was just like, and then by the time he got to the third one, the first one had pooped his drawers, and so you just all over again. And so, you know, you just, we, Jessica and I slap high fives, we put the bandana on, clock in, psh, go in the bedroom. All right, Who's on, we're on the diaper assembly line right now, sir. But God will, he promises to rebuke the devouring spirit off of your finances. Now, this is one thing I want to challenge you at. When you, tithe, when you give your tithe and when you give offerings above that, I want you to, and something's not lining up according to what God said. I want you to do this. God, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. You said, test you. Rebuke this thing off my life. Because he wants that. Daddy, you said, I'm trusting you best I know how. Jessica and I, when our first year of marriage... I was teaching school. She was working for uh, Hope Haven. She was the director of the respite home. And <clears throat> we got our, we did our taxes. We got our income tax return. It was fifteen hundred dollars. We were like, dancing, dancing, dancing. And I was just like, fifteen hundred dollars. Oh my! And I'd been substitute teaching, you know. So I was just like, oh wow. And so, and then the Lord's like, I want you to give it away. And I just did one of these. uh, God, I'm going to seminary. We got saved for seminary. God was like, give it away. I said, okay, how do you want to give it away? And so we gave half of it, $750, to a friend who was an itinerant worship minister, Joel Goddard. And then we gave the other $750. This is... This was the uh, interesting part. So at the time, the church we were attending was doing a beautification project. And it was just putting prettier crown molding in. We already knew to give it to the church. Uh, There really no updates really needed to be made. The youth group really did need a van, though. And so we... We had business meetings at this church, and so uh, I was just like, "Hey, can we like?" I, I voiced this. I said, let's let's use this for like a van or something. I'm like, no, nah, this this is God's house. It needs to look pretty. And uh, I was like, "Okay, well, we should all be barefoot right now." But anyways, and uh, <laughs> so, so, but <laughs> so I was just like, I don't agree with this. And the Lord's like, I want you to give to the beautification project. I was like, God, no, but yes. Okay. So we gave $750 and we went to a, a meeting where they're like, and they said, if everybody gives $750, we can, every family does this, we can complete this in eight months or something like that. So we gave. And before we left for Texas, they asked me to preach, and they took up a love offering for me. And uh, they took up, like, $6,000. And then we had a couple people after that just put $1,000 in our pockets. And it was like, God will ask you to do stuff like that. He just wants to know, will you obey him? God ain't worried about the beautification project. He's like, I'm going to get the glory, son. I ain't worried about it. You just obey me. Just do what I'm doing. And, and so we did that, and God turned the 1500 into the into the 6000 Actually, we, we left, Texas, left for Texas with $10,000 cash after it was all said and done. And so we get to Fort Worth. And I was used to get a scholarship from the Georgia Baptist Association that was like five hundred dollars a semester as a partial scholarship. And I'm talking more about the offering rather than the tithe right now, but this is still good. And uh, and so I got the five hundred dollar check. One of my buddies that was lived in seminary housing down a couple of doors down. Second semester, he was like, "Man, I'm I don't know how I'm going to pay for." Uh, Seminary, I was like, I'm already like gonna have to drop out because we can't afford it. I was like, dude, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh I go in the house, got this five hundred dollar check, and I, I just said, Hey, let's let's give this to Rocky. It was his name. So we gave it through the seminary to Rocky. And um a couple weeks later, my dad calls and he says, Travis. Oh, was thinking and uh Pat and Jason, I paid for their schooling, U G A, and you had Hope Scholarship, and you know, I didn't have to pay for your schooling. So I figured at least I you know it would just only be fair if I paid for your seminary. I was like, Yes, father. <laughs> I receive. And uh so God turned $500 into about twenty-three dollars $500 into $23,000. So that's what God likes to do with your money. So is tithing a New Testament commandment? All right, this is a question a lot of people have. So tithing... First of all, began before the law was introduced. It started with Abraham before Moses, the Ten Commandments and all that. The law simply regulated the tithe. So Abraham tithed to Melchizedek 400 years before the time of Moses and the law. And according to Romans 4.12, we are to walk in the footsteps of the faith of Abraham. So if tithing was good for him, it should be good for us too. We give tithes like Abraham gave them. Not by the law, but by faith. Okay, it doesn't earn us anything. It's just a faith act. This is like baptism. Okay, this is like communion. This is it's like an ordinance from the Lord. And so, beside that, if the people of God paid ten percent before the law and ten percent under the law, shouldn't we who live by grace be doing any less when we have a better covenant, according to Hebrews seven twenty-two? So Hebrews chapter 7 deals with the issue directly. It says, but this man, talking about Melchizedek, who does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it testified that he lives. And so when you tithe, it's not just to mortal men, you're tithing to Jesus, Melchizedek is a type and shadow of jesus Melchizedek means king of righteousness so Melchizedek received abraham's tithe Melchizedek is a prefigure of christ and we can conclude that abraham just as abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek, we give a tithe to christ who is declared to be living so some people think that this is a new issue whether it's tithing New New Testament commandment or not, okay, but it actually goes back to the days of the church fathers uh, right after, you know, a few hundred years after Jesus died. So the early Jewish believers had no problem with tithing since they had done it under the law and gave it to the priests. They simply gave their tithe to the elders of the church and and did so by love. However, as the church became less Jewish, the issue came up to the church fathers. You know, the Gentiles are wondering, do we need to do this top thing? And so this is how the church fathers answered it. They answered it with Matthew 23:23. They said, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So, you can go through the religious song and dance. You can be far from God and tithe. Okay, tithing is not an indicator necessarily of intimacy with God. But it should be a fruit of intimacy with God. Does that make sense to you? All right. So, Jesus ends the discussion, basically, with his rebuke of the Pharisees. It's like, it's good to tithe but your heart's totally wrong. <laughs> you need to keep tithing and get your heart right. <laughs> so Paul also uses the pattern of tithing under the law in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So this passage clearly shows the mentality of the apostle and his understanding of carrying over the concept of tithing into the church, okay? So this passage is actually used to contradict 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, which says, Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, giver. So people who are opponents of tithing in the as a New Testament practice, say, well, God says we need, it shouldn't be under compulsion. I shouldn't have to do this. But the context of 2 Corinthians 9 is, talking about your, is actually talking about offerings, like above your tithe, giving to the poor, giving to things outside of the temple or, or the church. And so we want that. We want that, everything, the tithe and the offering, everything to be done with joyfully. That is, that's the goal. Okay, But when you're first learning how to shoot a basketball and you're just missing shot after shot because you've never done this before, are you just like, this is the happiest thing I've ever done? No, you're just like, how am I going to get that thing in there? (laughs) So discipline leads to delight. Discipline leads to delight. So the argument goes something like this. Each believer has a right to decide for himself what to give and should not be told what percentage he should contribute. The problem with this argument is that the above passage, like I said, is dealing with not get, is not dealing with giving support to the church, but giving to the poor. Under the law, giving to the poor was a free will offering. So the law commanded free will offerings as well as tithes. And that's in Deuteronomy 12. Chapters 5 through 6. I won't read that. So it's it's inconsistent for people to appeal to free will offerings yet claim that tithing has been abolished. And so this is part of, uh, I, I used to people, I had a, I got a close friend that doesn't believe in tithing in the New Testament. And he was, he would argue about it, it should be like giving like a free will type thing, just whatever you want to give. And I was like, well, dude, I mean, the, the actual Jesus said, like, go sell everything you have. Like, so, if you want to live? That's what Jesus, you're talking about, like, New Testament. <laughs> then, like, that's what you should be doing. You know, like, you know, so, Jesus, is, when he told the rich man to do that, it was because that was an idol in his life. He says, you can follow me once that idol is gone. He doesn't ask us. That's not like a prerequisite for following Jesus. It's that that was that guy's idol. And he says, that idol's got to go if you want to follow me. And then the guy left away sad. Now, I've given to Jesus a few times and been sad walking away. I told you about when I had 100. I was a substitute teacher. I had $120 in my wallet. And I went to this service right down Chase Street uh, 15 years ago. This guy from Rwanda was taking up money for his orphanage, and they're passing the offering plate. And uh, I never kept $120 cash in my wallet. I used to be called the Stinge in in college. That means any money I got was getting stuffed in a mattress somewhere. And I was, it was, we used to have these competitions on spring break, who could spend the least amount of money on groceries? And there was bragging rights for the week. And so, so I would get. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! God likes that idea. No, was, so I would buy instead of buying peanut butter and jelly, I would buy the combo, the peanut butter and jelly swirled together. We would go to Taco Bell and we would get. Uh, I would get a Coke, 79 cents, the small, because you always get Taco Bell, you keep going back. So I got the small cup. And then my buddies would get get water. And they was like, hey, man, give me a sip of Coke. And I I would hold that cup as they were drinking it, and I'd pull it back. And they was like, dude, I didn't even get any. I was like, well, you should pay for a cup yourself, man. They're like, dude, you're the stench. I was like, that's right. I took pride in it. I took pride in it. Yeah. And then, uh, and so like, Jesus had to break me. He had to break me of my ways. So at that meeting, they're taking up an offering, and I was like, Lord, how much do you want to give? Because I just want to do what you want me to do. And he said, empty your wallet. Except he didn't say it like that. He's it's more like, Empty your wallet. And I put twenty dollars in. <laughs> Cause it was already making me sad thinking about it. <laughs> the meeting was over. Man Jessica were in her 97 GMC Jimmy. This was a good car. And I had my head on the on the on the wheel. And I was just like this. Uh I was making that noise. Uh. How many of you ever the Bang God's been like that for you a few times? Oh, oh, my kids do that. Just uh, pick up your dirty drawers. Oh, take out the trash. Oh, so, so I was uh, on the steering wheel. Just was like, what is wrong? I was like, I gotta go back in there. So I go back in there. I find the ushers. They're taking out the offering. I was just like. Hey man, here's the rest of my money and hold your hand out, Matt. This is kind of how it goes. It's like <laughs> this is a hundred dollars. I was like, man, I never carry cash. I'm not carrying cash to church anymore. <laughs> but Lord had to break me. Just like He had me, he He would do that. He does not want any idols in your life. I had an addiction to Georgia football. He made me fast from TV 40 days during football season. I was like, this was before any other technology. And I was just like, Lord, it's the fall. (laughs) I remember I told him that. I was like, it's fall. He's like, exactly, son. And so he had to break the stench off of me. And now it's like, I like to give. I know I've seen God work so many times in our life, it's like, this is exciting. This is exciting. Whoa. All right. I think it uh, wasn't plugged up. So the power went down. Um, Chris Valatin, I think I can remember the rest of it by the time Jesse gets it up. Um. So Chris Valentin says, people when people come up to him and ask him, hey, is is giving in the New Testament, is that like, is tithing in the New Testament? And he says, well, are you trying to give more or trying to give less? <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, uh, talk to you later, Chris. Because <laughs> that's typically who's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make an excuse for giving less. And this is not, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. He wants you to be blessed. And so like, even in Proverbs 8, it says that you seek wisdom is more precious than silver and gold. Okay? But once you get wisdom, what happens is you get wealth and riches. Now, If you seek wealth and riches first, you don't get wisdom, and you don't get wealth and riches—true wealth and riches. There's Some people out there there that seek that first, and they, yeah, they got a lot of money. But what he's saying, if you seek wisdom, you'll get both. But you seek the the wealth and riches first, you're you're not going to end up with either. And so that is—that's what God—that's God's heart. But He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to do well. He wants you to have abundance that you can give freely, just like 2 Corinthians 9 is just like, hey, we got like $10,000 sitting around the bank. Let's give $2,000 to this orphanage or whatever to where it's it's a joy. That's the way he wants you to live. And so... um. This is not about trying to it costs you something in the beginning, but the reward is just is much more. It's just about trusting God, and that's his heart for us and so, um, Greg and Brittany, do you want to you want to testify about the10 dollar thing?: um,
1: Yeah, I love giving because God gives us a lot. And so Halloween, we didn't have any candy. And so we had to go to the dollar store to get some candy. And it was the one on Baxter and uh, had some candy. And then this guy walked up to me and we just started talking. His name was Bo. He was probably like 65 years old. He had a loaf of sunbeam bread and some bologna and some Cheetos And I was like, obviously, if this is what this guy's eating, he doesn't have a lot of money. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, man, I got to pay for this dude's stuff. And so, but as I was talking to him, I just felt the compassion of the Lord. And I wasn't, what's cool about, like, I wasn't, like, looking for any supernatural thing. Like, yeah, I would have loved to have, like, a word, you know, a word of knowledge or something. But I was like, no, man, like, the compassion of the Lord was supernatural in itself in me that I felt for this guy. And so we just started talking about teeth and just all this stuff anyway. I pay for his stuff, but there wasn't a cash register, and so there was like five people waiting in line. And Bo left his stuff right in front of me on like a stack of some chips or something, walked out the door, and I was like, oh man, that's like easy. So I just like grabbed it. I was first in line, put it on the, um, the runway, and uh, I was, the conveyor belt, yeah, the, the cash line. and I. And I turned, and Bo was like at the door for some reason. I was like, hey, I didn't want to make a big scene. I was like, hey, Bo. I was like, Bo, I got you, man. And he was so cool about it. He's like, oh, that's cool, man. He's like, yeah. And I was like, yes. And so ring him up, and Brittany like talks to him, and I give him his bag, and then it's like the do you want cash back option. I was like, man, I'm just going to give him 10 bucks too. So I got cash back. He'd already left, walked across the street um, across Baxter to the government housing, and I, like, ran him down, met him on the other side of the street, had 10 bucks in my hand, I was like, "Bo, I was like, dude, this is, like, nothing compared to, like, the riches in heaven that God has in store for his children who love him, I was like, this is nothing, man, but here, like, this is just totally, like, this is for you, man, and he was like, man, thank you, man, he's like, you just made my Halloween, man, and, like, that was it, and I, I mean, I, I was just like, I was like, thank you, Lord, that, like, I don't have to, like, hold on to my money and like I just think the coolest thing is like when you hold your money like this Holy Spirit can just blow it wherever he wants it to go but like if you can like just hold it loosely like it'll go to like its proper person and so that was just like an encouragement and then so I didn't think anything of it and then Sunday rolls around
2: yeah well we got to like pray for him in the car and it was just really good but so sunday comes and when you like give as a lifestyle you just like forget that you give like it doesn't become this huge thing and so you don't have to like you don't be always expecting like huge things in return from the lord because it's just a part of your life and it's a joy and um it's just how you live so sunday comes around and matt's over and we're about to eat chipotle and i get a call from my brother and he's just like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, oh, we're about to sit down and eat dinner, like all this stuff. And he was like, okay, well, can I talk to you really fast? And I'm thinking, oh no, like, what is this about? And kind of thinking, I'm just really hungry right now. And um, so I'm like, okay, yeah. So I go into my bedroom really fast. And um he was like, Hey, I was um yesterday, I was praying just like really crying out to the Lord, and he just told me, he was like, I was thinking about you guys, and he told me he wanted me to give you guys a thousand dollars, and we were like, I was like, what, and so I was like, this is so crazy, and um, at first, I didn't even think about that Greg had given that ten dollars to Bo, because that morning, I was kind of stressed about my, I don't know, we had something come up, or I don't even know why, and so I was just saying, the Lord was, like, being good to me, because he always does that. Like, the moment I start worrying about money, we get money somewhere, and so, but then I go and tell Greg, and he was like, that, we gave that $10 to that man yesterday, and that was like, we're like, oh my gosh, God, you're so good. That was a hundredfold on that giving, and so my brother transferred us $1,000, and so, yeah, it's just really great, but, yeah.
0: That's awesome. Hundredfold return. There was one time I got loud, and uh, that uh, me and Phil were eating uh, lunch one day. And as I was on my way to lunch, there was a homeless lady asking for money at a stop sign. I had a $20 bill, and I was just like, Lord, I'm just going to give her $20. Even though my mind was like, She's going to buy that to get liquor. She's going to use that to get liquor. And I was just like, well, I'm going to give her 20. And uh, so I gave her 20. I go to lunch with Phil. We have lunch. I open up my wallet to pay. And I went, whoa, Ho. And Phil's like, what? what's wrong, man? What's wrong? I was like, oh, my Lord. What? What? I mean, I did, he's just like. Phil's just like, give me some information, man. <laughs> and I just couldn't. I was just like, oh, whoa. I had $33 cash in my wallet. I did not have a, a lick of cash after I gave her the $20 bill. It was completely empty when I gave her the $20. And I opened up my wallet. I was like, what? I wasn't, just wasn't expecting that. I was just like, Lord, just watch this. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to have some fun with Travis. $33. And it's just the Lord just saying, I'm going to give you more. And I'm going to do it surprising, quickening ways. These are core values of the awakening. Stewardship, not ownership. All right? So I want us to, re- this is a declaration that associate, that's attached to that value. So say this with me right under that. What I have is God's and what God has is mine. We'll say it again. (laughs) What I have is God's and what God has is mine. Another value. Give and it shall be given. Giving as a lifestyle. So let's say that declaration underneath it together. I experience my father's heart through the joy of giving. And then let's say the last one together. I am on a generosity rampage. You just here's some money. Here's some money. Here's some money. That's the That's the imagery. It's just like it's making it rain wherever you go, baby. So, this is. I want you, I want us to stand up and uh, Taylor, if you'll come on up here. So, this is a. Uh, Actually, an offering reading that they read at Bethel, but it's so good I'm not going to try to just be like, "Oh, I'm not going to copy Bethel. We're just going to use it all right, so we're going to read this de- or declare this together over our offering, and we're during the ministry time, what we're going to do is just the ministry time is going to be like if if this is something new, then hey it's it's time to like trust the Lord with your finances, okay. Uh, if, you, if you tithe and give regularly, then just, just pray for the Lord to bless his church. And actually, while I'm doing this, I just remember I need to pray. For, I want to do this real quick. We need to pray for Athens Church. The Lord just put it on my mind. They're not in trouble or anything like that. The Lord just said, pray that they see thousands and thousands of souls saved. So let's pray. Father, we just de- declare over Athens Church that they see thousands and thousands and thousands of souls saved. In Jesus name, Lord, we declare a release of financial blessing over them like they've never seen before. Father, to do everything that's in their heart to do. Father, that they have everything that they need to fulfill every single dream and vision. And Lord, that they prosper in Athens in Jesus name. All right. Hallelujah.
3: So just before we do this one thing, um, I just um, one of the things that God has called us to in Athens, Travis and I, is to equipping. So some of you are like, you may be like, have just tithed your whole life. Like maybe when your parents gave you like chore money, they like taught you how to tithe on that money and you just, it's just part of who you are. That's awesome. My prayer for that, that group of people is that now this thing will become your own in a whole new way. And also that you'll be able to explain to other people what it is. Because we've had more people asking recently, like, what does the awakening think about tithing? Well, now you'll know what we think about tithing. (laughs) And so um, if you all have questions or just like this bumps up against something in your belief system that is different or whatever, like talk to us about it. Because we would love to hear kind of where you are in that process, and um, and then when people come to you and talk about tithing or come to you with their financial woes, you will have you'll be equipped with this information to share with them to help them get breakthrough.
0: All right, we're gonna declare this together, and then. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna worship for a little while longer, and during that time, I'm, we're gonna put up information about Tithely, which is the new way that we're we're gonna give that. Like, I'm gonna explain it real quick. So, during this ministry time, if you if you're wanting to give a tithe offering, you can download the app, or you can uh, so it's Tith. Find it on there, the directions are self-explanatory. Or you can text this number, give to this number. And this number goes to the awakening bank account. This doesn't go to uh some guy in uh Louisiana swamp anywhere. And so like this is just to the awakening account. And but this are these are again, we're you we wanna make it as convenient for you guys as possible because this is a digital age, nobody's carrying checkbooks around anymore for the most part or that much cash. And so this is a way that you can give and keep it consistent, um, because there's just so much that distracts you from that. And so um, let's read this together. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Lift up a shout. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. So let's worship.